0: Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with our editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill.
1: Good morning.
0: Good morning. (laughs) Thank you for taking over. Thank you for taking over for me last week with Sophia. I was out sick. Uh, Feels like everyone that I know has been sick in the last week or two in New York City. I don't know about in St. Louis, but a lot of of stuff going around. It's been going around our team.
1: We don't even work together. We work from home.
0: (laughs) I took so many COVID tests, and they were all negative, but I still don't trust it. So who knows? But anyway, I'm glad to be back. Um, We've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about this week. Um, U.S. retail sales were up in the last month, and I was just at NRF talking to people about uh, retail stuff. So we can talk about retail sales, and I'll also do a little recap of some of the stuff I heard at NRF. A lot of interesting conversations with executives there. Um, we'll talk about Uniqlo suing Sheehan over copying the Uniqlo shoulder bag. Um, and finally, we'll talk about that new Louis Vuitton show under Pharrell that was in Paris, the like cowboy Western one. But let's start with talking about retail sales, and and I'll also go into a little bit of what I saw at NRF. But the news is that um, the U.S. Commerce Department said this week that retail sales rose more than expected in December. Um, I think the forecast was for a 0.4 increase from the quarter before And it was actually like a 0.8 increase, 0.8%, which is small, but still a good sign. And if you look at from the year before, it was up like 4%. Um, We've talked a lot about like inflation and people spending less on things and stuff. But it does seem like retail in general is um, doing well. At NRF, I talked to a lot of retail people and I definitely got that sense that there was like some confidence, some feeling that like. Things are about to bounce back, although I didn't really talk to any luxury people. And I wonder if they would have had maybe a different feeling than retailers from like Macy's or other kind of like more affordable, you know, price points. Because we've talked a lot about how those retailers are doing fairly well, whereas a lot of luxury stuff is slowing down a lot. Before I get into some of the other stuff I saw at NRF, um, is that your sense too, Jill that like from retail people that like sales are coming back, whether that's in store or online? I don't know.
1: I mean, for the most part, but man, I feel like it's confidence that is odd <laughs> because yeah. we know prices remain high. Um, and yet, you know, if you're on TikTok and you know, like for instance, with December sales, which have seen a boost, everybody's talking about their holiday gifts and their lululemon piece after lululemon piece after (laughs) lululemon piece that they got and there's stanley and there there was a lot of spending going on so it's like it was doubtful that consumers would continue to spend for the for the last couple months like they have um and we know that credit card balances are high um interest rates are high and Mm -hmm. the buy now pay now later programs are like seeing more traction and activity. So it's like, to me, it's concerning like for the average consumer, it's surprising. Um, We know that e-commerce sales were up, apparel sales were up, where what some of the categories that declined are like department store uh, sales, which is interesting. You and I talked that like, Tibby Amy Smilovic, she'll be on the podcast soon. We talked to her this week, and she's not selling. She is selling with retail partners. She's not selling through any North American department stores. Which I was like, I did not know that she used to. Um, so, what's going on there? We know some drama with Saks and such, but um, that's one area where they can't be confident. I would assume. Yeah.
0: No, I think you're totally right, and it's funny actually. I tr- at NRF, I tried to get an interview with Sachs because I wanted to ask them about this uh, inability to pay their vendors, which has been reported a couple of times, um, or at least long delays in the vendors being paid, um, and they didn't want to talk, which is, you know, sometimes that happens, sometimes it's scheduling, but I got a little bit of a sense of, like, maybe they're hiding away from the press a little bit for for the time being. But you're right, like, whenever I see stats about, oh, actually, the economy is doing really well. People just think it's doing bad because of TikTok or whatever. I mean, I wrote a whole weekend briefing about this, but, um, you know, with prices going up, like prices increase however much percent every month for like a year. And then you see something, it's like, actually, this the increase is slowing down. So actually, it's all fine. But it's like, but the prices didn't go down. They just stopped increasing. You know what I mean? It's like they're still high, like they're still up from what they were before. And we a big factor that I think people don't talk about is wage stagnation. Like people are getting paid the same amount or less. Uh, and with inflation, like it's effectively less. So even if the prices stop increasing, people aren't getting paid more. So like there's definitely still there's a lot of issues, you know, there I don't think I think you're right that the confidence is a little bit maybe like wishful thinking. like if we all just will it to be fine, then it will be fine. But, I don't know. A lot of the retailers there. The other thing is at NRF, it's very much like it's turned into kind of a CES like, um, you know, tech kind of thing. I think our our colleagues at Modern Retail had a whole story about how NRF has basically become like a, a tech show. When I was there, one of the big, big things that everyone was talking about, obviously, was like AI. Every single panel was either about AI or if it wasn't about AI, they still talked about it anyway. Very similar to how in the last couple of years, every con- like every conference, everyone was talking about the metaverse or something. So, I don't necessarily think you should take the fact that everyone was talking about AI as like confirmation that it really is like gonna be as useful as everything hypes it up to be, because like they're gonna hype it up no matter what. And I told you this, Joe, but I saw something really funny at NRF, which is they had this AI like guide to give you directions it was this big tv screen with like a creepy like dead-eyed woman like who you talk to like you go up and there's a little webcam and you're supposed to like ask her for directions and she'll like in her like creepy uncanny valley voice like tell you where to go no one was using it it seemed kind of like glitchy and not super useful and right next to it was just a map and everyone including me was just using the map so that was very funny (laughs) i thought that was like a funny kind of uh, I don't know, example of how that technology, it's like, it's very flashy. But is it actually better than just looking at a map? Like, is it actually solving a problem? I don't know. Yeah. I felt that way with like a lot of crypto stuff where it's like, that's interesting, but is it actually better? Is it actually doing something that people want to or will use? I don't know. So that was my sense from a lot of like the AI panels there was it it was a lot of people like talking about, There, there was a lot of People saying like, yeah, what's interesting, we're testing it, we're trying things, we're learning, and we're interested. You know, like that's kind of yeah. all of what I it was.
1: It's hard because um, it, it requires an investment in resources, um, in different technologies. And so there's a lot of talk that it's going to take years before it reaches its potential um, for how it can transform or support the retail industry. Um, definitely a theme though. You're so right. Um, another theme that I heard through a, a story by uh, Lexi on her team was about mm. the technologies around returns, which has been a big problem for retailers. Mm. And there's, it's, there's so much data collection and um, I don't know, weeding through um, because everybody's taking advantage of the opportunity to buy and return and everything's happening online. And so um, what she wrote about is uh, they are going to be trusted customers, various level of trusted customers. So, um, And that will determine whether or not you can return things for free, whether or not you're allowed to return, whether you get a fee to mm-hmm. return. All of these Uh, It's interesting. So the same retailer with different returns policies, um, just based on your behavior, um, TBD. I mean, there are a lot of privacy laws, if that can be compared across retailers, probably not. Um, But that's an interesting technology. That's not AI that I thought was interesting and uh, or a way of, of looking at data.
0: Yeah, that that is interesting. And I I knew that Lexi was gonna be writing something about returns. So I kind of steered clear of like there was a panel about return technology. I like I knew she was gonna take that, so I didn't really bother looking into that a lot at NRF, but it did come up in a couple of the panels I saw anyway. That to me feels like an area that's ripe for, you know, using some new technologies to mess with stuff, you know, like there are some things like directions. We have a map, we've had maps for a long time. Like there's the, you know, I don't know how much better we can do than that or like GPS or something. Um, but sorting through mountains of data, that's like really difficult to parse for a human being. Like that seems like a great use for, for some sort of machine learning technology. So that was another big thing. And then the last thing I'll say is, and I'm planning to write something about this soon. A lot of talk about wholesale at NRF a lot of the brands that previously had been like, we're all in on DTC, we're all in on digital, kind of contritely were like, actually, wholesale still a big deal. We love our wholesale partners. Uh, and maybe it's just because the audience was a lot of retailers, but they it felt genuine to me based on some of the conversations I had. A lot of brands seem to see the value of wholesale, um, particularly as a, a tool for marketing and customer acquisition that you don't have to acquire direct customers the way you do with DTC, you just sell to the retailer and let them handle it. Um, That seems like very appealing to a lot of brands right now. So that was another thing that came up a ton. Uh, True Religion talked about it. Um, I didn't see this or talk to them, but I heard that Nike had talked a little bit about going back toward wholesale. So I don't know, Joe, if you've heard similar things from people you've talked to.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a move back to wholesale. And I think just like in terms of the retail sales increase and in terms of the discussion at NRF, I still think, I mean, the pandemic started in 2020, but I think we're in this balancing normalization period where we're still not where we're going to land. I mean, everything's ever evolving, but I still think like, for instance, like furniture and home goods saw a fall in in sales, a, a decrease. And of course, because they were so hot during the pandemic and the same thing on this on the um, topic of luxury, like that blew up. So now it's the growth has slowed. So of course, anyway, we're not gonna see what we did. So I don't know. Everybody's going back into wholesale. There's the balance. It's almost like the new normal is the old normal. yeah <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm with you,
0: yeah. Um, okay, let's move on and talk about Uniqlo and Shein. So we all know the Uniqlo bag, that that mega viral twenty dollar shoulder bag. It was super popular. It was top of that list, um, l y s t list, uh, like ranking of of you know hottest products. I think that was last year. Super popular, super well known. Um, right now, fast retailing, which is the parent company of Uniqlo, is suing Shein over them selling like an extremely similar shoulder bag. And when something I was interesting, I was reading about it when Uniqlo when that shoulder bag first went super popular, there were so many knockoffs, not from a big brand from Shein, but just like from random like you know knockoff companies all over the place. That Uniqlo like put out a public statement like asking people to stop doing that, or else they're gonna like start suing them. Um, And now they're doing that. So uh, and they're going for the biggest one, which is Shein. So I thought that was interesting. Shein, I think, has, like, a ton of different legal issues all the time. They're being investigated in China over, like, cybersecurity and, like, data collection. They're being sued by Timu. Um, they have, like, lots of, like, various controversies we've talked about before. Um, I wonder how all of this is going to affect their potentially going public in the U.S. Um, in the future. I don't know if that's going to affect that. But anyway, that's my thoughts. What do you think, Jill?
1: Yeah, it's... The hottest bag it's wild that there are so many knockoffs of a, of a $20 bag, right? Like it's already pretty darn affordable, but it just speaks to how people are shopping. If you search the name of the bag, which is the round mini shoulder bag, Uniqlo round mini shoulder bag. Um, You don't see a Shein version. You see one from Timu. This comes up on Google Shopping for $7.49. But then if you continue to dig, um, there are $4 versions on Shein and Timu's marketplaces. And even I was recently combing through H&M and they've got a version that's just $2 less than the Uniqlo. It looks pretty darn the same. But yeah, like you said, this took off on TikTok. Um, they called it the Mary Poppins bag because you could fit so much into this little nylon dealio. And it's water resistant. It's durable. It's it's functional. Function meets fashion, guys. <laughs> anyway, but uh, no surprise that Shein ripped it off. They've been, like you said, sued by a bunch of folks, H&M, in the past Chrome Hearts, I believe, and several like independent graphic designers, designers that say they ripped off their designs. Like, to, that's right. To I a forgot key. about
0: that. Totally. Yeah, I forgot about that big like group lawsuit against them. Yeah. So, Jill, you actually mentioned something really interesting that I was going to bring up, which is it's crazy to dupe a twenty dollar bag. Like, it's already so cheap. If you're, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like, Uniqlo is already kind of fast fashiony. And Sheehan is just even more, he's even faster and even cheaper. Um, So it's just sort of like, I think it's an example of how fast fashion is kind of like a race to the bottom. It's like, who can make the cheapest, like, you know, cheapest in terms of price and also probably cheapest in terms of quality, like version of something. And that's kind of been the fast fashion business model. Like, that's how it's always worked. Stuff goes on the runway, And then H&M, like, makes something kind of similar. That's, you know, that's the understood, like, value of fast fashion is that it's a cheap way to get something that looks like, uh, you know, these styles from the bigger, more expensive brands. But it's crazy now that, like, the Uniqlo bag is being knocked off at an even lower price. I don't know how much the bag that Shein was selling uh, cost, but I'm sure it was, like, single digits.
1: No doubt. Things are getting cheaper and faster in terms of the knockoff situation. It's not just in fashion, just on a personal note, like I'm shopping for furniture. And if I find something I like, and I'll Google the name of it, honestly, to see if I can find it cheaper. I'm not looking for a knockoff. I'm just looking for a different retailer to carry it. But uh, a lookalike on Amazon comes up without fail. And that's about, I don't know, half the price. And it's junk, probably like, not real wood, not all the things that you look for in, like, furniture. But anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of marketplaces like that. I've recently been looking on AliExpress for some stuff, and it's crazy. Like, I, I do a little bit of photography, and if you want to buy a brand new roll of film from, like, Kodak or something, it could be, like, 20 bucks for a single roll of film. Or if you go on AliExpress, you can find a roll of film for, like, 99 cents. I'm certain it's horrible quality, I'm also pretty certain it's probably, like, not even as much. It might say 36, like, exposures on it, but it's probably eight or something. Yep. It's just, like, no rules on marketplaces like that. They just sell whatever and, like, but it's, like, a dollar. So people don't even care if it's fake or garbage or whatever. Um, You know, you can buy the, the amount of electronics you can get on, like, AliExpress or Shein or something that's, like, this should definitely cost more than $2, but somehow they... They do it. It's like, there's no way. There's no whatever's going on to make this be two dollars, it can't be good. It can't be
1: good. <laughs> if it's too good to be true. Yeah, definitely is. Um, I don't know about how this uh, knockoff deal will impact going public for Xi'an, but I do know, like you mentioned, yeah. there are being uh the cyberspace administration of China is doing a review mm-hmm. of how they're handling data. And there's a lot of talk about how they need approval before they go on with the IPO process from both uh, DC and Beijing and anyway, Mm -hmm. they need, so they need, this is important. Um, So we'll see how this pans out. I don't think that anything's been determined just yet. They're just under review. Um, So GBD.
0: Cool. All right. Let's finally talk uh, a little bit about the Pharrell Louis Vuitton show um, that kicked off. Paris Fashion Week. I think it's a fall winter season. I feel very vindicated because I wrote a story like a month ago about cowboy boots and Western aesthetics coming back and how, I mean, I'm not not like I was the only person to identify that, but I felt pretty good for, for writing about that. And then Louis Vuitton comes out with this extremely cowboy core kind of show. Something that was very funny to me is that it was branded as like Paris LV Virginia And then but then inside, it was all like deserts and mesas and stuff, um, which is obviously not what Virginia looks like at all. Pharrell (laughs) is from Virginia. Clearly, he knows that that's not what Virginia looks like. But I'm imagining a lot of French people went to that show and were like, wow, it's like I'm really in Virginia, the deserts of Virginia.
1: (laughs) I bet you're right. But I would go to that show. I wouldn't. Critique it. I wouldn't invite us LV or Louis Vuitton. <laughs> um, no, but it was interesting. Um, I mean, I guess all things fashion recycles itself. It, I wouldn't say it was the freshest mm-hmm. collection. You maybe haven't seen yeah. all of those uh LV across some of those traditional American Western styles before. Maybe it's new for um Louis Vuitton, but um I think it speaks to the nostalgia trend a bit. Um and we've, I, I was looking at a story from 2018 where I think it was a fashionista story and they're like, why are cowboys trending in fashion? And they point it to a lot of runway shows featuring looks that looked a lot like this Louis Vuitton show. Um, so I don't know. I think it's trending again, even beyond Louis Vuitton. I got this pitch for, um, Kendra Scott teaming with Wrangler on a lot of, um, Mm -hmm. Western looks, including like a necklace slash bolo tie that I'm obsessed with. But anyway, it feels like the time it's back, (laughs) it took, uh, how many years, six, six years to make a comeback again, but we'll see if everybody kind of latches on.
0: Yeah. Well, another thing I, I just remembered this as you were talking and I had to look it up to make sure I got the brand right. But, um, Pedro Almodovar is a director. Made that movie *Strange Way of Life*, which is a western with Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal. And I remember thinking that I knew it had some sort of fashion connection. And I looked it up. It was produced by Saint Laurent. Um, so it's like it's a movie. I think it's a short um, made by a real legit filmmaker, which fashion loves to do. But it's also a, was like a Saint Laurent ad, basically. Um but- And that was I think last year um, or maybe two years ago. But yeah, I think a Western American Southwest aesthetics and like European luxury fashion, like you said, definitely not the newest combination. There was a, a, a BOF article about it where they called it like a little too obvious, um, which I think is true, but I still admire the commitment to like a theme, you know, just sticking to a, a, a unifying aesthetic for the whole collection. I think that's kind of cool. Sometimes you go to a show and it's just like clothes. Yeah, you know, it's just a bunch of clothes. Um, so I, I like that there was a theme, even if it's a theme that's been done before.
1: Yeah, and I, from a former stylist perspective, I like that that you can kind of hijack the look without investing big bucks. Um, you can get this look easily. Like today, go to a uh, Chuck's Boots here in St. Louis, but um, you can get the look. And last season, uh, he did Pharrell for Louis Vuitton. Did like Letterman jackets that sold for like Mm. are selling now for six to $7,000. Um, but I was recently listening to, I think it's a Mule boys podcast and our friend Gian was saying like, go to Justin's. It's like a supplier for high school (laughs) apparel where you can get your Letterman jacket. And he's like, it's like 300 bucks. It looks exactly the same. Um, but you can totally get the look for less, which I don't know for better, for worse. If every, if every brand is trying to tap into culture and these things are so out of reach, like Louis, uh, Pharrell's pieces. There was a lot of buzz recently about when they finally hit stores. So many styles are in the six figures. Um, they're in croc leather and so unattainable. So um, if you want to uh, resonate with with the kids, uh, this ha- kind of has to be a thing where you're able to get the look without investing so yeah. so much.
0: Well, it's interesting since we were just talking about the Shein thing, where for fast fashion, it's like taking something really expensive and making a cheaper version of it. I feel like some luxury fashion is kind of the opposite of taking a cheap thing and making yeah. an expensive version of it, you know, of a, totally. a, a $10,000 Letterman jacket, which you could easily buy for like a hundred bucks or something somewhere else. Like that's kind of the appeal of luxury fashion. And I feel like it's a little bit less uh, ethically weird to then go and buy the cheap version because it's like, that's the original. That's what it, you know, Yeah. that's not the rip off.
1: That's a good point. But these shows are always, Pharrell has, is gonna, gaining a reputation for creating a show, like, capital show, <laughs> capital letters.
0: Capital um, show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it um, there was apparently, like, a barbecue set up where there were Louis Vuitton branded hamburgers. And, um, you know, all the celebs were there. Bradley Cooper, Carrie Mulligan, new music released. I think there was a Miley mm-hmm. song. I think Mumford and Sons performed. And anyway, it's just you want to be there. It looked it looked good.
0: Um, I do like cowboy stuff. I think that's fun.
1: We're writing a ton on the site right now about Aspen and the brands flocking to Aspen, and it see it's become a TikTok thing where everybody's like, "It's such a cliche. You go to Aspen, you get um, you know a cowboy hat and cowboy boots, or you <laughs> tap into this trend." And these are all these affluent folks who are traveling. Anyway, it does also fit what people are talking about right now and buying right now it's it's aspen time so anyway this is until this is spring 2024 collection i believe um anyway so i feel like this will never go out of style you can buy into it and you'll have it forever so i'm a fan
0: yeah me too Um, Well, that's all the time we have, Jill. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I love doing the podcast with you. For those of you listening, don't forget to give us a rating and a review, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to this. That helps us out so much. Um, And don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because you'll hear interviews with industry insiders every Wednesday and we can review episodes every Friday. Um, Jill, do we know who our next guest is?
1: We do. We have Lauren Nushi. She is the founder of Paris, which is you're known for these amazing faux fur coats and it really caught on among it girls. So such a fun conversation.
0: Got it. And also I should say New York Fashion Week is coming up soon. We will be doing similar to what we did last season um, and doing a podcast focused approach. So during New York Fashion Week, we will have a couple New York Fashion Week specific episodes for you to look forward to. Until then, thank you for listening.